You're listening to The Brian and Gina Show, the official podcast of L.A. Magazine. Here are your hosts, Brian and Gina. Hello and welcome to The Brian and Gina Show, the official podcast of Los Angeles Magazine. I am Brian Bishop. I'm Gina Grad. We're going to talk to a very scintillating, interesting mm-hmm. guest today of someone who... If I met at a party, I'd have lots of questions for and have to bridle myself and then restrain myself from uh, blurring them out at once. But uh, just a warning of the first segment that we do here, recapping our lives, will be, you know, standard fair in terms of appropriateness. But if you happen to listen to this podcast in the car with young children or even older children or people you would not like to uh, exposed to frank discussions of human sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, maybe this is one to save for a uh, solo time, solo car time. Yeah. Save for the, yeah, the time with the earbuds. And it's funny you say solo time no. because that's how a lot of these experiments are conducted. Okay. I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to hear it all. Uh, I'm very interested <laughs> in talking to Nicole. Uh, how did you meet her? So again, you know, when we do these influencer things, which you've just seemed suddenly just too good for. I don't know. That's definitely true. The one that I was invited to, though, is I'd record this tomorrow night, the same night as our big uh, new restaurants of LA food tasting event. I was not about to miss that. Okay. Okay. Totally understood. Okay. Oh, were you going to do a dinner? No, this, this was, no, it was a salon, I believe. Oh, amazing. Okay. That's I didn't get the invite. To me. I love I it. Didn't, I didn't get the invite to yours. It's trying to separate <laughs> us, Gina. It's trying to pit us against each other. That's exactly and right. It's, and it's, and it's, it's working. working. Yeah. So I, I trolling, poaching, fishing. I love going to these events because I can find interesting people to bring on here and be like, tell us everything. So Nicole is one of those people. I promise you, you, the listener and you, the Brian, no matter what you know and who you know, you've never met someone who does this for a living. She's um, a clinical researcher. I mean, like she has a PhD yes. and researches uh, topics related to human sexuality. And uh, they, as you can imagine, are fascinating and to put it bluntly she studies orgasms you know what you know i want to go i don't want to go there in this first segment right now there's there's a six-year-old in the background mommy what what did the lady just say she said organisms which is something you'll learn about in biology class in fourth grade so study those (laughs) and as you hear this we had an incredible time at the uh at the food event at the best new restaurants celebration 2024 put on by la magazine um we haven't gone yet that's tomorrow night as you as we record this but we will have tons of stuff on social media and we'll talk about it next week so yeah, well, next week's gonna be a packed show. We got Super Bowl recap. Oh Hopefully, boy. my 49ers come out ahead. Uh, <laughs> yes, of course, the uh, food event. Um, what is your plan for the Super Bowl aside from just weeping? Uh, that's funny. Um, I don't mean this to to be one of your people that you hate, but is that this weekend? Oh my god. It is, in fact, Sunday. Yeah, is the Taylor Swift cameo extravaganza this weekend? The Taylor, the Taylor Swift starring vehicle is uh, Sunday. Oh, by the way, I don't know if this is a joke, but I did see on Twitter that NORAD <laughs> is going to live track no, Taylor Swift getting no. from Japan. <laughs> to the Super Bowl. I, this again. is the best thing to ever happen in the NFL. This is a 
when's the last time the NFL is hugely popular, of course. When's the last time it was a legitimate cultural phenomenon? I have no idea. That would be a you question. And this is a crossover event. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is. All the little girls are watching with their dads and it's it's a lot of fun. So Brian, of course, from the Bay Area, me from Kansas City. Um, and again, it it hurts so bad to lose to somebody who's only marginally interested. So be prepared for that again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I'm just going to be home, I guess, doing nothing. What do you do? You have a whole big thing to do? Yeah, a friend of ours just throws out a little a little get together every year. I, I, it's a party. It's not large in terms of like hundreds of people, but you no, know, it's not the same thirty people that that are there every year, and uh, it's fun to fun to reconnect. Oh, good. Well, we'll definitely be talking about that because you uh, put a little wager together that, frankly, I kind of feel like everybody wins, except there'll be a lot of smack talking at dinner. Indeed, um, I've, I've, if things go my way, I've picked out a restaurant that. Uh, is uniquely suited uh, to uh, you, you and your uh, your appetite. Mm, I can't. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Well, the two winners are Christy and I, your wife and I, who've been trying to do a double date for, I don't know, eight years and cruises don't count. Leaders so- of the men. <laughs> can't wait for that. So we should get right into it because I don't know about your weekend, but mine was full. Uh, mine was bereft. It was empty. Uh, I'll, oh, I'll start cool. off. I'll just recap briefly because it rained. If you've been yes. following the news, even nationally, Oof. it rained a lot here in LA. And, uh, 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 you know, we're all allergic to the rain. Uh, so we stayed indoors for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, I will say that uh, there was a youth basketball game attended by me because uh, our uh, godson uh, plays in the youth basketball league and we are good godparents who want to go support and watch. Nice. Uh, and it's a horrible place called Tarzana. How dare you? Tarzana is nice. No, not, 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 not in the middle of a monsoon. No, it was nice. It was nice. And, uh, you know, youth basketball, I felt bad because his team – only could could uh, put four players on the court at first. Only four players showed up. Uh, apparently, two of the better players are finishing soccer down the road. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the, the, I don't know. What's your take? Should the other coach have been honorable and been like, "Yeah, I'll put four on there"? Also, I have again. We're not, we're not playing for scholarships. They're, they're like eleven. <laughs> I have huge feelings about this uh, because I too have a son in youth basketball, and I think it is beyond shitty. Yes, I said shitty when you don't do the honorable thing by either because our our league does this. You give one of your kids oh, sure. to the other team, or it's four on four. You don't play like you know, street ball, like vigilante rules against little kids. No, they went full coach Norman Dale. My team's on the court. My my team's out there. And so serious? it was a five versus four for a, a half. And uh, the results are predictable. <laughs> well, kids basketball is a big deal. Um, we, you know, you can hear when I park, you can hear the cheering and the screaming from the parking lot. And I get very nervous about that. This isn't oh, like our day when nobody cares. This was a very quiet crowd. Oh. Uh, there was polite, there was clapping, you know, uh, but it was uh, I'm demure. Uh, our, our league, which I wish it was your league, our league, there's a bloodlust and it's like the parents <laughs> and it's like, it's scary. 
It's scary. Uh, everyone seemed everyone seemed to get along. Oh, I can't good. say that was that was the case. So that was your big outing over the weekend. I actually can't even believe you drove to the valley in that. I know it was it was terrible. Uh, but however, uh, I should point out that um, here's a fun thing. Got a recommendation for people looking for uh, fun kids activities on the uh, west side. Here we have a little place called Little Kitchen Academy. It's in uh, it's in Century City Westfield Shopping Mall, and it's one of the businesses there and they they do cooking classes for kids and i think they do up to 12 or 15 at a time but it's typically around like 8 to 10 uh and uh, we signed tests up because she lo- she's done it in the past oh she God. loves doing it uh grandma got or nana got her a uh, gift card for a couple of classes this year so we signed her up for a first one last weekend and she made uh mushroom dumplings uh which we're good. She didn't love them, but uh, she has made all sorts of um, all manner of food in the past, including desserts and entrees and whatever. So, wow, uh, diverse, diverse menu, healthy for the most part. As far as I can tell, it's a lot of veggies and and you know scratch oh, ingredients. I love and, uh, that. She came home with a uh, tray full of uh, mushroom dumplings. I love that. I that's a risky. That's a risky little game to do mushrooms with kids because a lot of kids do not like mushrooms. Yeah, so, I should test that Twerk Reddit tried them and I think it was a texture thing or something. Yeah, no, not for me. That's not on her. That's for adults oh. who know that kids don't want mushrooms. I, as didn't, the main. I didn't like mushrooms till I was well into my 20s. Same, not even. Tw- and I still don't consider raw mushrooms food. So. I am with Tessa a hundred percent. I love that. That's a fun, yeah, it's a fun activity. It's on weekends. I assume it's after school as well on weekdays. Uh, But uh, the little kitchen Academy in century city is a uh, great way to get those kids in the kitchen. And you know, there's instructors, but it's just kids and like a few instructors and it's, uh, you know, all hands on deck. I, I also have very strong feelings about kids cooking. I am not for it. No, I'm kidding. I <laughs> love it. And it's the only way when when my stepson was in his like picky era that lasted multiple years, the only way I could get him to eat dinner was if he helped make it. And yes. that's a thing. That's not, I mean, that's universal, I think. That's child psychology, right? Yeah. If, they, if they handle the food, they have some agency in preparing yeah. the food, they're much more likely to at yeah. least try it if not eat it. And doing it in a fun way in like a kid's kitchen where I imagine like, ovens or sinks or whatever are like low is adorable. Yes, uh, low, but however, it looks, it, it, it keep, adjust your, uh, recalibrate your, your your senses there, Gina. It's Century City, uh, so uh, everything is first class. It's all stainless <laughs> steel and chrome. It is like, you know, kid size and it like eye level, but it's not like, you know, it's not coloring mine. You know, it's not right. like, oh, Mr. Bear says put the, you know, oven on 450. No, right. these kids are She's ready to work the line. Oh, my God. I love this. Okay. And I would imagine, I have no idea because I haven't looked it up. Maybe Gary can. But I, that sounds like something that is probably franchised. So wherever you're listening, you probably have something like that. That's a fair assessment. It's in a mall. I so I imagine there's, there's got to be more than one. than one. Yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. If not, let your kid help a little bit. Does it slow things down? Absolutely. Do you have to clean more? A hundred percent. But it's a really, really good idea. And you could do it you know, at home for free if you don't have, you know, Brian Scratch. Um, So amazing. I love that. Um, Yeah, it was great. So that was that was a weekend. Those are the highlights. Great. Well, I somehow worked around. I never left my house during monsoon 
season. So I was very lucky before and after. Actually, not after. I haven't left the house yet uh, as of recording this. But um, yeah, let's just let's just blow through this because I cannot wait for our guest, Nicole. And and I got some pretty fun things to share. So Thursday was my appearance on Good Day L.A. Plus. Yes. Not the regular Good Day LA. They now do an after show on Channel 13, which is a very relaxed version of their main show. It's Jennifer, Aroxia, Amanda, and Sandra, women power to the max. Nice. And they are so fun and normal and easy to talk to. And like I was in my little green room because I had to do my, uh, I don't have it. I don't have a clip of it, but I had to do my, like there's a sign in there that in the green room that says, this is not a dressing room. Mics are always hot. Cameras are always on. Do not change your clothes. Oh, good to know. Very good to know. And then they cut away when you're the next guest where you're supposed to be like, hi, you know, and Gina Grant's coming up and they cut to your little dressing room and you wave. I ended up doing water bottle curls because they were all talking Smart. about weights. Yeah, thank you. But um, while I was waiting, they were, t- oh, Little Kitchen Academy is a franchise with locations nationwide and several in Canada. Amazing. So check find it out. It. Uh, track it down. Yes, perfect. Uh, thank you, Gary. Um, so yeah, so easy. While I was watching before I went on, they were talking about like depilatory, like hair removal, and Aroxia, who is smoking hot, was like, "Oh, I I have laser hair removal, and I'm started a laser hair removal fund for my kids." It was very funny. Um, and yeah, they're just they're so like silly on the after show. So I went on, and I was in for two segments. Love them. Did I look as good as I thought I would in my bathroom while I was getting ready? Absolutely not. Because when you see these three that do this every day, oh boy, it's been a while. I was going to say that's the tough. Yeah, exactly. It's like being it's like being the least uh, built guy of like thunder from down under. You still might. Have- <laughs> You're still probably the most ripped guy amongst your friends, but you stand on stage with those behemoths, and you're like, oh, I don't feel quite so adequate. Well said. I was definitely the knife at the gunfight. Uh, but the first thing, because you know, I, I we we got to promote the show. I of course wanted to prove to you that I slipped in our plug here ni- here nice and early. Here's the video clip. It's so much fun. It's the Brian and Gina show, the official yes. podcast of LA Magazine. Talk about all things Southern California and and vacation and day trip and just every kind of Southern California lifestyle. Just had to get that in early and often. Nice. You didn't slip it in. You spotlighted it. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I'll give myself a plug. Actually, I should say that for the next segment. Um, but okay, just kidding. Understood. Uh, Sure. Uh, but no, this is this was something I really wanted to make sure that, you know, we highlighted like w- this is our chance. So I think I'm going to go on more. I hope I am. I love them. Promote the show. We talked about um, Off the Strip Vegas, which was perfect because Amanda, who I didn't know, Amanda Salas, is from Vegas, had a huge conversation around that. Really, really fun. Love them. Um, oh, nice. and then Christian, the wonderful, incredible producer over there who's wrangled me in with these lovely ladies, um, apparently slipped a note to Amanda saying that um, that I like Fargo and that I like doing Minnesota accents. So I didn't tell him. But, you oh, know, geez. when called upon, you just go with it. You and I have years of experience with that. So then this happened. I heard that you do a great Minnesota mom. 
Well, I wouldn't go that far. Um, <laughs> I would. I just have to say, when are we done here? Because I have a hot dish in the oven oh. and it's not going to cook itself. It can't it's roll. So it's not. We're going to roll. Actually, I'm going to follow you home. Oh! I'm roll up my sleeve. We'll make some special K-bars. Have you had bars? Oh, bars my goodness. Yeah, a lot of K-roll syrup in there. <laughs> Listen, we're a BYOB shop here. Oh, so bring, you bring your own bars. Bis- Bisquick. Oh, honey. bring yeah, your we, own Bisquick. We of course. Well, that is just the nectar of the gods when you put a little, a little half and half in it. Or water depending on where you are. Heard you're a Fargo wow. fan. The, oh, such a Fargo fan. It's clear as day. <laughs> she slipped right in. She, she yeah. was like, I was made for this. Yeah, she's amazing. She She's she's like a pun expert. Like, oh, no. really, no, like, impressive. Like, in a for way. First, that- first chick in the yard. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> no, she's amazing. Jennifer Lammers, who is sitting right next to me, who we had on the show. Amazing. She used to do podcasts. Yes, she used to do a podcast with her ex. Really? Yeah, I, I, she's amazing. Like I, I couldn't. <laughs> Is she contractually obligated? I don't think it was was rolled into like, her. Did rider. they sign a ten year deal and like <laughs> she's just rating it out? I should have asked, um, but I think I'll be going on more. I hope it's really fun, and of course, you know. I slip in the plugs. That's what we're here for. That's nice. I mean, listen, you 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 delivered. You showed up. They like you. Feel free to plug whatever you want. I mean, oh. the show, of course, but whenever and however you want. Oh, thank you. Well, I think it's a it's a it's it's fun for everyone. I'll just assume that they had fun, and hopefully, we'll do it again. That being said, the next day was career day at my stepson's school, which oh. I was a thousand times more nervous for than a sure. TV hit. Well, well, what did you, what could you possibly say? That's a great question because in the district that my stepson is in, uh, a lot of heavy hitters and they want uh, another entertainment broad. (laughs) Well, it's mostly doctors and lawyers. Oh, I see it. That's a good point. I know where it goes to school. (laughs) A lot of moils. (laughs) Oh, God. No, they can't afford so, love that. Okay. So anyway, um, I went in to talk about broadcasting to the older kids, the fourth and fifth graders. I think Andy Andy was there to talk about produ- radio producing. Oh, you so, both went? Yeah, we had was different it, jobs. It was a double act. It was like no. one classroom for one, one classroom fact, for the other. I should have brought, he made the kids a commercial while they were while they were asking him questions because he's like fast producer. He was doing... Um, candidate like like presidential candidate um commercials for their teachers like miss brown is the best she's kind and just and right for america it was so funny nice i didn't have any of that uh he took a picture of me through the window because i was in the library so all the little ones are on the floor and i think is that a picture of you and me up there it i don't know might be i don't oh. see me oh. oh no see the monitor behind me that's a picture oh, okay. that's a picture of me and Sean Evans from Hot Ones, because I was trying to figure out who we have ever interviewed on our previous show or right. on my morning show that kids would know. So they they knew him. Thank God. So oh, yeah. Some, find some YouTuber or something. I did. I said, you guys ever heard of Jake and Logan Paul? They all, all about piss themselves. Uh, remember, we interviewed them. We interviewed KS1. Yes, of one. course. Were, oh, my God. I'm a, I'm a celebrity in one it, one friend's kid's <laughs> eyes. Be like uh, for a kid of a friend of mine, because I have met. Uh, the Paul brothers. Oh yeah, and you know what? Nice enough guys. 
Sure. They were always very kind and polite and good interviewees and whatever. So um, that was really scary. I had three groups. The first group, I was clearly terrified. And then I started getting more comfortable. But I was like, "You're it's 25 minutes a piece. And I, yeah, I did this pieces. once at my high school years ago. Oh, that I, I realized that quickly. Thank God I had some minimal like visual aids because it just listening to someone talk for half an hour oh. is mind numbing. Here we're doing a podcast. <laughs> exactly. For well, kids. For I, kids. I brought a mic and let them, you know, and passed it around, let them hold it. And then I taught them how to interview each other, which was very cute. I made worksheets and I still have like 90 of them because I overestimated how many kids were going to be there because I, I figured 30 per class. But they there were so many people, like so many career people that they only had 10 or 12 per section. What's so the worksheet? I should go. Should I not bring? Well, it in yeah, I should anyway, just summarize this on. I'm gonna post it, but um, but I had two takeaways. I, I mean, a lot. Like, be prepared. Blah 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 blah. But these are the ones I think for kids were the most important. I said, this is for you having a conversation. This doesn't have to be for a real interview. This can be for anything. The interviewer, his biggest, her biggest, their biggest thing that they have to remember is to be warm and welcoming. Because nobody will want to talk to them if they're not warm and welcoming. Big yeah, smiles. Right. So polite. nice to see you. Yes. And then, and we talked about active listening. And I said, it might feel funny, but do it even if you're conscious of doing it. You're nodding your head. You're saying, uh-huh. You're showing the other person that you're, you care about what they're saying. So That's that was a good, good lesson for a kid anyway. That's what I said. I said, this is for every conversation you'll ever have. And then for the interviewee, I said, there is no bigger conversation killer than a yes or no answer. So you always, if it's a yes or no question, you always want to add at least one detail. This is all shit I made up, by the way. I'm pretty impressed with myself. Good, good job. But like, do you have a brother? Yeah. Like you have to add a detail. Yes, I have a brother and he's older. Or yes, I have a younger sister. Whatever. You have to add at least one detail. So they interviewed each other. It was adorable. And it's funny. The mic, clearly not hooked to anything. Not plugged in. they're still talking into it. But the second a child sees it, I swear to God, it's like they're on CNN. They're leaning into it. Their eyes glaze over like a deer in the headlights. Just having that mic that is attached to nothing really kind of heightens the reality of the situation. So it yep. was it was pretty cute. Good. That's exciting. It was. Um, and then right before the rain fell. Uh, Were there you- any other podcasters yeah. there representing that career? Because I can see a territorial <laughs> dispute. Not that I'm aware of. Um, oh, but speaking of my hunting ground, I may have poached a couple of parents to come on the show that are pretty interesting. Nice. So we'll see. We'll see. I, you know, I can't turn this off, Brian. This is this is our passion. No, that's please. That's what the, 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 you're you're saving the show for God's sake. Oh well, thank you. Um, yeah, somebody has to. It's not going to be you and me. No, not at all. So then, finally, went to another influencer event. Um, so much fun. Uh, we played. It's also actually kind of embarrassing. Or I, ho- I hope that the person who were playing it on behalf of isn't embarrassed that we don't know who they are. But um, John, as you know, will have someone come up and we'll play 19 questions and you have to figure out who this person is. And these are yes or no questions. You know, are you right, in right. film? Are you in architecture? Are you blah, 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 blah. And no. And, and John even said to the host, uh, who's the uh social science, behavioral social science master, um, author, everything, as you know. The MC. Exactly. He said, this man sitting next to me is one of my personal heroes. And I was like, oh, "Oh." 
That's really hey. cool. Yeah, that's all fuzzy though. That's anything from athlete to, to teacher. Well, exactly. So we were like, scientist? Nope. I, we couldn't figure it out. So when the man introduced himself, you might have a shot of knowing this name. I was not as lucky. No Are you familiar with the name David Maisel? No, I know Steve Maisel. I'm uh, David Maisel. David, David Maisel. Maisel, he's a young, plucky, up-and-comer, real self-starter who is the founder of Marvel Studios. Huh? Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That Yes, that does sound familiar. <laughs> I, I, he, did he leave Marvel Studios early? I he he I believe sold it to Disney when it was time for Disney to take over uh, okay. because he has other things, you know, to do. But really incredible guy. I got to, I asked him a question. Just I, we have to go because we have our guests. But um, it was so amazing. You know, I got to ask him, are how much how much hand do you have in casting? I mean, all these movies. And right. I loved his answer. He goes, well, on the first movie, 100 percent because he didn't want anyone but Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man. So it's interesting. I, I I should know more about this man, but that wasn't the first Marvel movie. It was the first movie that kicked off the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Correct. as we know it. Yes. Uh, but there were a number of failed attempts before that. I Those wonder, we're talking about. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I don't want to, you know, the, the guy Those were not his. I was going to say, what level of involvement did he have with those? But I think zero. I think. Oh, yeah. I don't want to speak for him. He actually, just to cross-promote, I guess, uh, he did like a two-and-a-half-hour podcast with Tim Ferriss, who a lot of people know. You know oh, Tim yeah. Ferriss, he was on our show a few times. He was. So feel free to listen to that as well. But this is just the nicest, most soft-spoken man who nobody wanted to make Marvel Studios. The comic books? Who even reads comic books? Nobody. And not nobody only that, but like. From my very outsider point of view, I never collected or really read comic books, but I was aware, of course, of these superheroes. Like, Marvel was the lame superheroes. Iron Man, who gives a crap about Iron Man? Like, it's all about Batman and Superman, Superman. The Flash, yes. Wonder Woman, and all. Like, those are the cool superheroes. To, to think what they did, Marvel, with what they had, is one of the amazing achievements in cinema history. Well, and that's why you have to give it to somebody like David, who grew up as a real comic, a Marvel comic enthusiast and was really plugged into that world and loved Iron Man. And Dude, I had never heard of Iron Man. Again, for an outsider, uh, uh, me, uh, peripheral to this whole world, growing up, Iron Man and Thor were lame. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want the guy with the wings on his helmet and like <laughs> from another land and he has a hammer. I don't care about that. Give me Batman. That guy's awesome. <laughs> well, and then now, now we now we have what we have. Yeah, this guy is is talk about a, a dream maker. Incredible. It was so interesting letting him just kind of talk about what he did. And the other 19 questions was this incredible woman who we will be having on the show next month, Anusha Ansari, uh, astronaut and CEO of the XPRIZE Foundation. Nice. So whether speaking of superheroes, you know how most of the time the rest of us in Gotham don't really know what's keeping our world safe. Anusha right. is keeping our world safe. We'll see her bat signal in the air once in a while. 
a hundred percent. She is the reason why we have, you know, clean water where we have it, clean air where we have it and space travel and everything else. I didn't realize that so much to thank her for. Oh, and, and that's the thing. The whole point is radical breakthroughs for the benefit of humanity through incentivized competition. I, I love I love the principle. It's fantastic. I yes. wish more people were aware of it. Well, that's why she's coming on our show. So yeah, we'll spread the word. <laughs> we will. I mean, we want we want everyone to know what they do. But before we do that, we want everyone to know what Nicole does. She is truly incredible. And we're gonna talk to her next. All right, we are back with a great guest. And in radio, we call it a good get, a very good get with Nicole Prousey, doctor, I believe. Um, it, she, it, it, I was going to say, if she's not, she's a doctor to me, but she is Dr. Nicole Prousey. She is a neuroscientist researching human sexual behavior and addiction and physiology of sexual response. But when I asked her what she did, when I saw her last, I believe it was something to the effect of I study orgasms. That's the easy version. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That'll put someone on their heels really quickly. <laughs> Not me. I leaned in like it was yeah. my last day on earth. Tell me more. <laughs> so that's the, I know that's the, the description online and the, the fancy description, but Nicole, can you just give us like the elevator pitch for us laymen of just sort of what you do? And then we have lots of questions for you. Yeah, I use a label that's kind of an older one. So I study sexual psychophysiology and the psychophysiology bit is the combination of psychology and physiology. So we put sensors on people, but we also ask how they feel. And then we see how those things match up or feel to match up. Oh, it's a simple And you've been doing this for how long? I uh, graduated in 2007. So a little while. <laughs> and and I believe you went to or, or are connected to the Kinsey Institute, right? Which is a name that a lot of us know just from movies and TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Kinsey Institute's housed at Bloomington, uh, Indiana University there in Bloomington, which not a lot of folks know, but middle of the Midwest. And it's uh, been under the gun ever since Kinsey's day. People, you know, trying to get it defunded, trying to get it out of the campus, trying to... so. Uh, I mainly was in the psychological and brain sciences department there at the university because Kinsey doesn't have a degree program, but the research institute housed a lot of students doing research. And what? you have, uh, sorry, the, on, the, on that note, your connection to LA uniquely is you studied at UCLA and you're still with them or how, what's the relationship to UCLA? No, moved totally for the job. I was at a neuroimaging facility in Albuquerque and saw this opening for the gambling studies program is where I started out. Every time you buy a lottery ticket, a little bit of your money goes to support this program that the state All runs right. for people who develop problems. And so I kind of went there as like a behavioral problems person. So gambling, sex, porn, you know, whatever might fall oh. under that umbrella. If I can just take a tangent real quick, because it's been in the news a little bit here on the West side where I live, uh, UCLA recently put a bid in to take over the West side pavilion. You know, the old mall down here on Pico Boulevard, Pico and Oberlin, huge mall. It was going to be right. bought by Google at one point, Google dropped out with, you know, over the pandemic, basically, no one's going back to the office. Like, why are we doing this? <laughs> UCLA stepped up and it's going to make it as far as I know, Nicole, please correct me. I'm wrong, but they're going to do like a neurosciences whole, like elaborate, you know, study slash research slash teaching facility. What do you, or do you, I don't want to you know put you in an awkward position. Do you know anything about this? <laughs> are you involved in this? 
I probably the same you do. I saw the news. We had an announcement in our email that said they're doing it. And I wish it was neurosciences. If it is, it may be wet lab stuff. So I do more dry lab human, but they're yeah, housing some visit physics facilities apparently there. Really cool. Very exciting. Well, and speaking of wet lab and dry lab, I was very Uh, shocked to hear truly (laughs) that you, that so many of the studies are that, that you conduct are about females because like you said, we kind of know when a man climaxes, we don't always know when a woman climaxes. Absolutely. That was a Something I study men and women, I try not to pick. And sometimes I have to start with one or the other because of grants, you know, whatever is getting Mm -hmm. funded at the moment. But I usually try and do stuff with women when I can first, because we've been lagging for so long. Uh, And it's not all discrimination. (laughs) The legit part is uh, the male physiology. We know a lot more about because it's more accessible, very easy to get sensors on a penis. And there's a lot of concerns about uh, reproduction that are related to the penile function that women may or may not be related, right? Is orgasm important for reproduction or not? There's debates about it. Really no debate for guys. Like if they're not ejaculating, there's a reproductive problem. Right, <laughs> right. It's, it's just that simple. And can you give us an idea of some of the studies that you conduct just so we can all kind of wrap our heads around what your day looks like? <laughs> We the the day depends. If we're doing data collection, it's what people imagine, and then the less sexy part is a lot of computer time programming statistics. <laughs> so got it, got it. The, the, the fun bit is when we're actually in the lab collecting data. And I've done a variety of studies, so I used that funding to give people alcohol in the lab to study the sexual effects of intoxication. So we'd get them up pretty high, giving them alcohol, doing breathalyzers, and then looking at their penile functioning, vaginal functioning to uh, pornography. What do I sign up? (laughs) (laughs) I know. See, this is great, though, because so many people are like... I can't believe you can get anyone for this studies, including our reviewers. Sometimes they're like, "You'll never get anyone." I was like, "Are you kidding what? me?" Like we have to pay them like a hundred bucks or some nominal fee. I yeah. assume. Oh my yes. god! <laughs> well, and, and I imagine, this is a fairly self-selecting group. I would imagine that is interested in coming in and and being hooked up to God knows what. Yeah, they're usually exactly who we want. Those risk-taking, getting in trouble. <laughs> you know, they're, Listen, they're if there's a study go that's going to happen at the new facility on Pico, I'll walk there if I have to, which is not a tall order. Let me tell you that. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. There was a lab, not mine, that used to have people ride on a bicycle before they would uh, put them in the sexual measures to see if having like an elevated heart rate would facilitate their perception that they were aroused and it does for women, especially. Oh. But I was, that's kind of funny. It's like your natural experiment if you walk to the lab. <laughs> we have to like bring your heart rate back down. Oh, that's right. I got to send a dark room for like half an hour. Yeah. Right. Would that affect women who go to the gym? Would they, would oh. they find men more attractive if they're into men, of course? Or would they find men more attractive than they normally would? hundred percent as an old theory called transfer of excitation. So your heart rates up and like, you know, you're in the gym, but you notice a cute person and you also feel your heart rate pounding. And there's a natural attribution uh, to say like, Oh, I must be really attracted. This person must just really get me. And so uh, that's not a bad place. If you're obviously being polite. <laughs> I, I'm really vibing up. with the janitor. I don't yeah. know why. Yes. Is very dangerous. Well, and I would imagine that in any heightened thing, like if you're skydiving with somebody, you might feel attracted to them when if you're on the ground, you wouldn't give them a second look. 
They've done it. Uh, the classic is with the suspension bridge. They looked at people asking others out for dates uh, before and oh. after walking on this suspension bridge. They've done it with roller coasters. Uh, that transfer of excitation is a cool classic, uh, easy way to excite someone about your mate prospect. All right. Yeah. You, you get, we're just going to jump all over the place. You gave me a devastating and fascinating piece of information about the female orgasm the other night. And I was hoping you could share that with everyone and ruin their day as well. I, <laughs> I think you know what I'm talking about. Probably our 50%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Go ahead. What is that? Yeah. So we tested a bunch of women when we asked them, their only task was to indicate when their orgasm started. And when it stopped by pressing a big red button, we literally made a big red button. It was very funny. And we're also measuring their external physiology. So we have something and literally an anal probe where we're looking for the contractions that occur at climax. And uh, in about half the women, when they pressed the button to say the orgasm was starting, they were not having a climax. And they could be faking it with us, but I don't think so. Like we actually told them beforehand or like, honesty, please, we're going to pay you regardless. You know, we have these measurements on your body. <laughs> like there's really no point and you're not massaging our ego. Uh, if you can't, you can't. And that's totally fine. Um, so we really went out of our way to try and encourage them to tell us if they didn't, it was fine. But they um, almost all of them said they did have a climax, but half of them weren't actually having the physiology to show that they were. And what is the physiology? That's eight to 12 contractions that start 0.8 seconds apart and increase in latency to their termination. I was going to say that. <laughs> thank you, Nicole, for checking the words out of my mouth. Yeah. Well, there is a very precise definition, but it's basically a bunch of contractions. And if you're a guy, you know they're happening because the bulbocavernosis muscle forces ejaculate out of the penis and you can see that it has happened. Right. But women don't have that. And And women who don't know any different who have only experienced what they've experienced are like, yeah, this is it. And you're like, Mm-mm. I mean, not that you tell That's, them that. Yeah. No, what I always say, I say, when, when do women learn what an orgasm is? And they usually read, oh, it's a peak experience of pleasure. And they're like, well, that felt pretty good. Right. That right. Been it. <laughs> like, why would they think otherwise? Does any of your work or any of your studies ever revolved around sexual dysfunction specifically or sexual addiction, which I imagine are maybe two sides of the same coin? I'm not sure. Yeah, a lot of the work touches on sexual dysfunction. So I'm really focused on trying to use sex for general health. So like if you've ever masturbated to help yourself fall asleep at night, that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> but the of course, the things that we collect inform sexual dysfunction issues. And we've looked at uh, whether or not it's appropriate to call things addictive in that domain and all kinds of different questions. There's a phrase that I've heard before, not in any sort of clinical or professional setting, obviously, but um, a phrase, porn ruined. And the idea of that since porn is so accessible now and, you know, as opposed to, you know, looking at a back of a Sears catalog back in the day, that Mm -hmm. we have so much, uh, you know, stimulation and we're being inundated with it that when we're with our, you know, when we're with a partner, it's just harder to do everything or things take longer. They don't happen at all. Is that something that you focus on as well? Yeah, we say that quite a bit. I have a number of papers in that space and I am not as worried as most of the population is, I think. So there's, 
Yeah. I mean, (laughs) there are clearly some issues. Like if you've got kids watching pornography and they don't know that this is not real sex and that it's meant to be entertainment, mostly for masturbation, they're going to get the wrong idea. They're going to try and choke their 14 year old sex partner. And these are not great outcomes, uh, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. The, you know, the more common concern is I'm going to blow out my dopamine neurons. We hear yeah. stuff like that all the time. Um, you know, I'm going to condition myself to pixels. That we have studied extensively. We have the only data where we directly compared someone watching pornography to someone being sexual with a partner. And it is night and day. Uh, you respond just as much to the partner. Uh, in fact, people who view more pornography actually have a stronger anticipatory response to stimulation with a partner. Wow. So what really seems to be happening is people who watch more pornography, they just have a higher libido. Like they also use sex toys more. They also like may go to swinging stuff more often. And so we have, they have what we call a wider breadth of sexual behavior. So porn happens to be part of that, but that doesn't mean at all that they've diminished response for the partner. And one thing I always like to point out, there's one really different thing that uh, if you ever (laughs) think about uh, being at a bar and sometimes if someone like tries to come on to you and you feel creepy and you're like, why does this person feel creepy to me? Uh, One of the reasons could be when you uh, stroke someone's hairy skin. So anywhere you've got skin with hair on and on your body, uh, if you stroke it very fast, you know, kind of like, all right, you know, your coach is like, go get them, you know, that's not going to activate these things I'm going to talk about. If you do it very slow, uh, that may be like, why are you touching me like this? This doesn't feel right. <laughs> you know, I feel, but if you get the right moderate speed stroking, you're activating what are called C-afferent fibers. And that uh, is a sexual arousal uh, signal that's very unique, can only activate it with an ungloved human hand. It's been extensively wow. tested. And yeah, it's very specific and it does not activate with porn. <laughs> so wow. there's... There are things like that that I'm not worried. Like porn can't touch it. Right. It's only coming from another person. So now you say you're you not say hairy skin. You wow. say hairy skin. Is that skin where hair would be? What about people with alopecia, for example? Are they gonna? Oh, anywhere hair would be. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. And it's funny. We actually don't know for sure that they're in the genitals. Uh, that hasn't been tested yet. I kind of assume they probably are. <laughs> I think you're the right person to find out. Yeah. Uh, next study. <laughs> yeah. Th- and isn't it interesting, Brian, that like we can have this conversation. Be- she's a clinician. Like this is somebody who actually yeah. has the data has, to back has it up. the data. He's going to say, you're right. Like, oh, well, we studied X number of people or N and yeah. uh, this is what we found. Um, um, talk in to me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now feel free not to answer this because I do not know the answer. But um, I would imagine having this is almost like having like top clearance to government secrets that would like be hard to like function a- as a day to day human knowing what you know. Has this ever affected like relationships in a good or bad way? <laughs> Uh, it goes both ways. So I just had a, a buddy, I'm a big distance runner. And just last weekend, he's like, I can't believe anyone would want to have sex with you. I'm like, that's rude. <laughs> what, <I mean>. <laughs> what he was that? getting at is, yeah, the anxiety of like, aren't you evaluating? And aren't you right. thinking about um, and uh, yeah, As I mean, you I, reach over to your big red button, I'll just keep yes. going. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I like to joke. I say, not unless you're paying me, you know, like I'm not at work. Um, Exactly. 
but yeah, it, it comes up, of course, people ask about it and uh, it goes both ways. Some people, of course, I think they should be excited. It's like, I know all these things I could teach you. But uh, the other side of that is, or you could be judging me yeah, exactly. and know my secrets, um, but I, I can't read minds yet. Right. I'm sure we're getting there. Neurochip working or whatever. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you mentioned this is not something I expected. I expect to say in a general conversation, but um, you mentioned anal probes. Yes. Curious. What, I, I <laughs> like, that's, tell me more. <laughs> well, that's not usually something that we get to discuss on here. Um, so I that I would imagine that's the only type of um, type of device that you can use across genders. So is that pretty common with your work? And does anyone ever say, wait, what, 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 are you, what are we doing now? Or they, they know what they're signing up for, literally. Of course, our participants know well before they come in. And what cracks me up is we've had studies where we're doing transcranial magnetic brain stimulation. We're doing other things to them. The only thing they care about is how big is the anal probe? That's <laughs> like... So it's a fair question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a fair question. Um, so, so we do like now we have pictures of it on our volunteer sites and stuff. So that people can see I made a video about it, blah, blah, But exactly like so these contractions, uh, as far as I know, no other lab is currently collecting these data. There are very few labs that do what we do. And the traditional way to collect this is, is really no traditional way. <laughs> like there's not a standard. So there had been labs in the past that use uh, needle electromagnetic. Myography. So they would put little needles into the perineum, the space between the vaginal opening and the anus uh, to cut. Yeah, exactly. That's face. like grandma's technology. What's new? Yeah, we didn't want to do that. It also involves, um, you can do disc uh, electromyography on the same area, the perineum, but you have to shave them because there's usually sure. hair there. Sure. Didn't want to do that. <laughs> so uh, they do that with the pregnancy and women are giving birth, but we didn't want to get in that business. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can collect it from the vagina, but the vagina expels this because by the time you're very aroused as a woman, everything's lubricated and these things get popped out. Uh, so we're like, clearly the butt is the place to go. <laughs> like, this is the last. Sh- that should be on the t-shirt. <laughs> All right. so, yeah. There, and you could do it potentially with electromyography. That's like, again, the electroconductance of muscles, but that is very, very noisy because when people are masturbating, they're getting oh. after it. They're moving a lot. So we needed something that was more robust in movement. So we ended up using air displacement technology or a pneumatic device. So we have a little uh, gauge that has air in it. It's not inflated. It's not like big or anything. It just has air in it. It's pressurized. And so when the uh, anus squeezes around it, there are two anal sphincters, internal and external. We get them both. And when they squeeze, we can see the air displacement in our computer. Yes, Brian. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like a child. I can't stop giggling. I can't. Stupid <laughs> go, go for it. I always what say, like, people think, oh, you got to be so serious. I was like, I'm not serious with my patients either. Like, <laughs> if they laugh, you laugh. You know, you this is like a serious question. Probe. Where do you get the probes? Are they medical devices, like, from uh, like a supplier, like a warehouse in like, the middle <laughs> of the country to get on Amazon? Where, where do you get the probes? No, because they're being used for research purposes, they're regulated a little differently than like FDA. So uh, we don't get them off the counter. We 3D print them and make them ourselves. Wow. Wow. Does everyone get to take their probe home? No. (laughs) So it's reusable, but don't cringe it. Part of, of, again, the reason to do pneumatic is we can condom cover them. 
Gotcha. So if you use EMG, they've got to have skin touch uh, to pick up the electroconductance and uh, pneumatic doesn't require that. So we just kind of oh. cover them. Now, you, I, I think so far we've only talked about self-pleasure. Do you ever have people together doing these tests? Yes, kind of. <laughs> so we wanted to do something more like sex at one point, And we played with like the um, Microsoft products that record bodies together. We're like, maybe we can kind of like let them have sex, but then have a non-video recording of the body movements. And we tried experimenting with this for a while. Like this is a disaster. <laughs> like the, it couldn't detect the two bodies. It kept like merging them. And right. uh, we're like, this is not the way to go. And about this time, we heard about something called orgasmic meditation which is a like practice. <laughs> no. So it's really unique. Like there's a company that does this, like advertises coaches and stuff for it, but then they're also just practitioners who do this practice and it's two people. The person receiving the stimulation is female or has a clitoris. Uh, the person providing it could be whatever. And they do stroking just beside the clitoris for 15 minutes. And they have a whole setup around it of like, you do this, you can't do that. You do say this, you don't say these kind of things. And it's not meant to be foreplay. It's meant to be just manual clitoral stroking. And when we heard that, we're like, that's actually a genius lab design. <laughs> like, wow. this is how we're going to do this. <laughs> so we have a series of studies now in a huge group uh, with 250 people who came and did clitoral stroking for us for 15 minutes as a part of this orgasm meditation. And we recorded both their brain responses and wow. how they felt before and after. And as far as I know, those are still like the first data really of like a, wow. an interaction that even is kind of sexual. Obviously it's not sex, you know, cause we right. didn't just tell them go crazy. Right. That's really hard to study. <laughs> so uh, it was a great lab design wow. just by chance. So let's just pretend and I'm just, I'm doing this as a favor to you, Brian, so you'll know what Thank to expect. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Let's just pretend that Brian signed up for a study. Walk us through, I don't know what you're laughing at. No, Walk us yeah, through this. the experience. He walks in the door and what happens next? Uh, we always go over informed consent statements first. Uh, if you skimmed it, we're going to find out because we're going to quiz you and make sure you read all oh. the papers that you know what you're doing. Because some people, there's an anal probe and they don't know. <laughs> it's uh, like the green M&M thing, you know, like they got to read the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we, we obviously want to be very sure that people know what they're getting into. They can quit any time, etc. Um, this is all regulated by the federal government. The uh, Department of Health and Human Services runs these things. And so we have approval to do all these protocols that are highly regulated. Believe sure. me, sure. we don't do anything outside of this. Uh, then they usually answer questionnaires on a computer that takes like an hour. So we ask about their sexual history, their preferences, their personality factors, their uh, clinical issues that may be going on, depending what we're studying. But that also sure. gives them a chance to just like sit in the lab and kind of see who's coming and going. Right. You know, understand it's a private space. No one's going to be intruding on them. So we always like to do that first so that they can kind of get a lay of the land. Then we'll usually describe to them how to disrobe, usually from the waist down. And we'll give them a paper drape. Uh, we leave the room while they do that. And they let us know when it's okay to come back in. We come back in. Sometimes we help place an instrument depending on what we're studying. Sometimes they can place them all themselves and we might visually check. Uh, to make sure it's in the right spot. Um, and then usually we leave the room and they have a computer monitor and their own keyboard where they're interacting, doing tasks while we're in a different space entirely. 
Some of the orgasm studies, we do the stimulation, like the computer controls a vibrator. Other times they do the stimulation, like they'll manually stimulate themselves. Um, quick question because <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I, I gotta I gotta think I'm speaking for the throngs of people who oh. want to know. Uh, what's the hidden camera factor in this room? Zero. Okay. You got bumps. Well, I always joke. So I trained in a lab that studied schizophrenia, and we always have. Um, cameras in the testing spaces it's security the biggest one is people fall asleep the rooms are very dark and they're in there for hours sometimes and so they'll nod off like that's the biggest thing we're watching for is just that they're gonna fall asleep but in our lab guy for for gentlemen i imagine the refractory period probably induces a sleep for some uh, yeah once the the orgasms happen we don't keep them in there much longer (laughs) because we realize like in the study coming up, like we're collecting ejaculate, blood, saliva, like we know they're sitting in there just like, can I please put this cup down? Yeah, <laughs> it's a cigarette and sandwich time after that. Uh, yeah. 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 So, okay. So, okay. So they're in there, either they're going to be stimulated by, you know, the computer stuff or they're doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. Keep, get back on track. Yeah, just so they when they finish, we leave them in a little bit longer to get a sense of like afterglow because no one measures that. So we always like to try and capture that. Uh, We know very, very little about that brain state. And then uh, we ask them if it's okay for us to come back in. We may collect anything that they're like if they're holding anything, if they need to give us anything, then we tell them they can get dressed. We're going to leave the room and we're not going to come back in that they come out when they're ready. So uh, we're very, very careful, as you might imagine, about door openings. You know, it's always knock, crack. Is it okay? um, And so they come back out. We usually offer to go over their responses with them if they want to see them. Uh, So if we have a brain recording, they may want to see what their brain did. If we have a general recording, they can be interested in that. Because when else are you going to see this? (laughs) So um, we show them anything we are allowed to show them as far as what happened with their body. Let them ask any questions they have, pay them and send them on their way. Wow. That's incredible. And, and this isn't one of those, like, obviously I'm, I'm not asking, I think I'm, think I'm telling that this isn't one of those like trick, like this isn't like a Milgram experiment where they think they're in there for one thing, but they're in there for something else. You seem pretty straightforward with them or no? Generally, yes. We have some studies that involve deception, but you it's very rare that you don't have to disclose the deception before they leave. And oh. the usual procedure, if you're deceiving someone, is you have to be sure you've consented them post-disclosure. So if you say, by the way, we didn't tell you everything about what we're looking at. We're also looking at this other thing. Are you still okay for your data to be included? And you have to give them an opportunity to opt out because they're like, screw you. How dare you? I was you? Say, what's the ratio yeah. of people that just say don't? Uh, they generally don't because you explain to them like the reason for the deception, like we needed to do this because if we had told you this, it could have biased your responses, you know, influenced you to respond. And generally they understand that. So. Do you ever deal with those unicorn bitches? I don't know how else to describe them. Uh, some people call them multi-orgasmic. Oh, here. This is a gift for the women listening. <laughs> Okay, so, I, let me get my pen. <laughs> this could totally be a fluke, but the people that we tested, the women who said they were multiply orgasmic are the ones who were not having contractions. Interesting. So, 
Uh, I have this a, a Scooby Doo like takes the mask off. <laughs> yes, this, this this story. I truly believe this story could be picked up for a report tomorrow. Yeah. That was huge. What you just said. <laughs> I I have a suspicion that uh, I do think multiple orgasms are possible in the sense that both men and women uh, some could have shorter refractory periods, and it's probably reasonable that some would be able to go again soonish. You know, sure. like within a few minutes. But this idea that like oh some women have fifty orgasms in two minutes. I don't buy it. And now I really don't buy it because of our data. So, uh, so again, like if I'm putting on my clinician's hat yeah. or like a friend's telling me, I don't bring this up. <laughs> I don't mention it because like, if you're hey, having a good you. time, I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but from a scientific perspective, like we need to know because we're trying right. to understand like what the effects of climax are. So if you didn't have one, I need to know that didn't happen. <laughs> so uh, we can't rely on just reports. It's not sure. good enough for women. Well, and again, like if you're if you if you're the only one who's ever experienced what you've experienced and you have nothing to compare it to, you're going to put whatever label yeah. on it you have for whatever words you have. Yeah, absolutely. So for these, now I feel bad for them. I shouldn't have called them bitches. <laughs> um, so for these ladies, is it just something sort of parallel to a, a normal quote unquote climax? Like what, what's the difference? So my, yeah, my collaborator and I disagree on how to interpret these data. So his perspective is like, well, maybe they're having a different kind of climax. that's just never been discovered before. And we have to document the brain state changes and it's not accompanied by contractions. Um, I say, prove it. (laughs) so i'm a little more bullish which i think is hilarious my collaborator happens to be a guy and so i think it's funny that the female is like no they didn't like don't believe women (laughs) the guy's like you better believe women yeah right believe (laughs) most women (laughs) yeah yeah so uh we're not sure like maybe there's some unique brain state that they're having some other kind of pleasurable experience that feels like a climax to them, but we don't have any good data showing that there's any kind of distinct shift for those women who say I have one, but don't have contractions. And we've not seen that in men yet. Incredible. (laughs) Uh, I I know we don't have a ton of time, but I just am like, Brian, when are we ever going to get her back on? I have more, more questions. (laughs) Um, So when we talk the difference between like penis, anal, clitoris, vaginal, are different things going on for all of these different types of climaxes or are they all kind of the same thing? Like, does it light up your brain the same way? Is the bodily experience the same way? Yeah. Uh, Thank you for asking. This is like one of my pet peeves. (laughs) Their orgasm is a reflex. It is basically the same way every time. That does not mean that some don't feel different. We totally get that. Um, And that if you've been aroused for a longer period beforehand, there's some evidence that like oxytocin goes up more when you've had a longer arousal period preceding it. So there's some variations like that. But there's a company that I will not name (laughs) that is like promoting this idea that there's a waterfall orgasm and there's a thing. And I was like, that's not real. Orgasm is a reflex. Stop it. Because what happens is then I get questions about like, well, how do I get a waterfall climax? I was like, you don't. It's not a thing. (laughs) Please stop selling your product by making up fake things. (laughs) So, um, uh, yeah, it drives me crazy. But that said, obviously, you can have like more and less intense ones, like the perception of the reflex can absolutely change just like sneeze is a reflex. And sometimes you're like, that was a big sneeze. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Brian calls orgasms, the big sneeze. That's right. Yeah. Um, And just Brian, jump in anytime. I just when you said waterfall orgasm, it made me wonder. 
again, I'm asking for the people. These aren't, these, these are things that I, <laughs> I, I yeah, I, it, trust me. Um, I've never heard this. When, I don't know if this is even what you're talking about, but when, when I've heard tell of women ejaculating and some people think that's real and some people think that's not, oh, is that sure. something that's ever measured or looked at? It's been looked at quite a bit now, not by my lab, but uh, my favorite study on this recently, there was a laboratory, different country, I think it was an Israeli lab, and they looked at women's bladders before and after they had an expulsion related to climax and found their bladder emptied of urine. And (laughs) well... So that said, there are a few studies that have looked at the content and said there's proteinaic content in the fluid. And so the question is, well, what is that? Because that is not in urine or urea. Um, So there are other openings in the vulva. Like people normally think, right, we've got like urethra, vagina, anus. Those are the openings. There are actually a lot of other little openings. There are glands in the vulva. They're, They're usually not visible to the naked eye, but they can be. And those create some fluid content that has protein in it. And there are debates about its function, but we think it's probably helping lubricate the vulva. And Sorry sorry to ask you a stupid question. What is it and what is proneic fluid or where does it come from? Like obviously the men, you know, the the cellular fluid comes the prostate, et cetera, et cetera. It's exactly. So, you know, although men and women are different in these areas, uh, they come from the same thing. And so there's some speculation that maybe some women uh, have more uh, genital appearance, morphology that's uh, preserving some of this. And so it may be that these are prosthetic type fluids that have the protein that is getting into some of the expulsions. Um, to me, it's a question of like, well, how clean was the catch? Like, uh, so we worry about this a lot when they catch the whatever's expelled. Mm-hmm. Like, did you just get vaginal lube in there? Gotcha. Uh, did you really get clean of everything else? Because the vulva is like, there's a lot down there. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, how can you be confident that it, like whatever you caught, if it came out the ureter, that it came right. just out of the ureter, didn't touch any of the labia, anywhere around it, didn't run over the vagina and catch some fluid. So uh, to me, those data are really a matter of like, how clean was your catch? Like, is this really trustworthy? But it could be... Uh, Sorry, I was saying it could be that it's catching some protein protein fluid from some of these other glands. Like that, that's a possibility of something that could be a real different, um, like kind of prostate is not really appropriate for women, but people use that term because it's analogous. Interesting. Yeah, there's also, Gina, I don't know if you know, there's just like an art to like collecting urine samples. Like in my medical history, mm-hmm. I've had to give a lot of urine samples and there's like long instructions on the wall. And about oh, yeah. Like, oh, like, uh, yep. uh, expel some urine first, then do this, yep. then yep. do this. Like, oh, I can yep. just pee in a cup. It's like, no, you have to do like a certain way. So tainting as it were, the evidence uh, is, I guess, a real thing. Yeah, Brian, you're explaining this to me like I've never had a UTI. So yeah, understand how to do a urine sample for sure. Yeah, they're very weird about, yeah, contamination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is like trying to do the urine sample when you're also really turned on. Uh, (laughs) How I do a urine sample. (laughs) (laughs) For my next challenge. It's 7.45 in the morning at Cedar Sinai. Well, this has been incredible. 
amazing. I'm wondering if there's anything on the horizon that you're excited about trying to figure out or if there's something that that still that still burns within you that we haven't got to. <laughs> well, I mean, the big thing is we had a study closed just before COVID started that we're like imminently about to start recruitment for again at UCLA. And it's studies of post-orgasmic illness syndrome. So these are guys who every time they climax, whether through masturbation or with a partner, they have flu-like symptoms for two to seven days afterwards. What? I've never heard that. Yeah. All right. So it's funded by the rare disorders sure, <laughs> grant sure. so, well, because it's a rare disorder. Yeah. And That's so awesome. we have uh, the opportunity to bring in like over a hundred guys, some controls, some affected patients. And we're going to try and figure out why this is happening. Oh, you never leave the house as a teenager. I know. <laughs> You'd always be sick. Always yeah. Be sick. It's interesting. Cause a lot of these guys, like they persevere, man, they're, <laughs> they're like, true. I'm still doing it. <laughs> uh, and, but others quit. So yeah, I don't blame them. And now yeah. if, if now, because obviously Brian is interested in being one of your test subjects, <laughs> how do people sign up for such a thing? Yeah. Not for this one, but a future one, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to need controls for this study. So yeah. some unaffected males also. Um, these are self-stimulated studies and we advertise all over social media. Um, so usually that's the easiest way. Mm-hmm. But I also have a website where sometimes people write and are like, hey, is that thing still open? Because they can't find the ads. That's totally fine. Of course, I'm happy to direct them uh, where to find that stuff. But yeah, we usually just say social media. They fill out a screening questionnaire to make sure they're in the ballpark to come in. And then we give them the informed consent statement. It's all those details I said about like, here's what we're going to ask you to do. Here's how long it's going to take. Here's, you know, when you can stop. You know, this this is a very selfish question, Gina, if you'll indulge me. Please. Nicole, I'm a cancer survivor myself, uh, Mm -hmm. 15 years actually in in April. Oh, nice. Um, Yeah, perfect. Defying the odds. Uh, have, you, have your lab done any work with uh, people in that uh, arena, people who have uh, survived major illness or cancer or whatever? Because I'm, I know from being a part of that community, that's often a topic of discussion is you know, sexuality or relationships going forward, things like that. Absolutely. We don't do that work, but there are lots of labs working on sexual functioning around cancer issues. And of course, it depends on the nature of the cancer and you know what the was, treatment, was removed, yeah. etc. Yeah. So uh, I'm more familiar with the women's work in that area just because that's where I tend to work. But uh, there is a lot of uh, movement like 20 years ago. Um, it was kind of this, maybe you run into this where they kind of think, well, you're, you're lucky you survived. Who cares if your penis works? And they're like, I care. Yeah. And so there in the social sciences, a lot of our work has been around, like, how do you let patients know, like what the odds are in a balanced way, what their options are, if they do nerve sparing, uh, approaches that like may have somewhat higher risk for the cancer, but may preserve your sexual function. What are the trade-offs? And so there's a fair amount done about that. The national cancer Institute is a very well-funded Institute at national sure, Institute sure. of health. So there's a, a fair amount of work around like preserving that, but it had been ignored a long time because I think the view was you're alive. What do you care? And yeah. we said, well, quality you're of life. They money, care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it's funny that uh, sorry to keep going this road, but treatment moves so fast now, advances. You know what I mean? That like 
it's hard for studies, I imagine, to keep up mm. with like, mm. hey, what's what's the long term effect of this treatment? Well, I don't know. It's only been around for a year. We need to do a study. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of thing. Absolutely. It's like we want to get patients the cutting edge intervention that's going to keep them alive as quickly as possible. But it's, yeah, what else might be in the hopper in 10 years time that we don't know? We just don't see it coming. So, uh, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. There, there <laughs> is no answer. Just for finally, finally, something Dr. Nicole doesn't have the answer to. <laughs> um, we cannot thank you enough for spending time with us and answering questions we didn't even know we had. no this is fun i'm always happy like the nuts and bolts of the lab stuff especially it's helpful for me to be able to tell people what that actually looks like because i think they think i'm like staring at people while they do it in my lab and that's yeah it's not like the uh (laughs) the madonna open your heart peep show video from the 80s it's not not all that that. (laughs) it's very clinical i promise Well, this has been incredibly informative. Thank you for your time. Thank you for educating our audience and for letting Brian get the giggles out. Yeah, I'm sorry this about is, that. I blame I'm sure the treatment. Yeah. No, totally. And, you should. I will. And we we would love to have you on again. And I mean, because I don't think there's ever going to be a bottom to the question well that we have for you. Oh, yeah. No, we're going to have a ton of data here in the next few months is the, the plan. So maybe I'll have oh, some nice. Please, please break it here. I swear to God, the New York Post. (laughs) Dr. Nicole, thank you so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure. And do you want people to contact you personally or are you not interested? (laughs) If if they are interested, I have a website. They can find probably most things there that will link them to my papers or whatever they might want. So that's librocenter.com. It's L-I-B-E-R-O? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Just like the volleyball position, LibrosCenter.com. Oh. Perfect. LibrosCenter.com. I, I implore all of you just to go there just for funsies. Because <laughs> trust me, you'll learn something. Um, you are incredible. Of course, ask us any questions, but don't expect us to have the answers like no. Dr. Nicole does. At Gina Grad, at Bald Brian across social media. Do us a free quick favor and like and subscribe and tell your friends and do the little things that you do for, you know, podcasters that, you know, aren't rocking fellers we appreciate it um okay i I just i don't want to say goodbye but it's time yes right so okay um oh oh well i would okay i'm just gonna throw this in i'm not a doctor but if you're gonna go ahead and be a participant in a study like this or at home if you know what i mean you're gonna want to wear your finest jewelry of course that's where alex and ani comes in Hey, everybody. What's up? It's Gina Grad. And when you're searching for the perfect piece of jewelry, it can be hard to find a brand you trust. Alex and Ani has been creating meaningful jewelry for over 20 years, designing pieces that connect you with all of life's important moments. With an emphasis on value, there is truly something for everyone. They've recently launched their Everyday Collection, I could not love it more. These pieces are made from stainless steel and an advanced water-resistant plating method that doesn't tarnish. It has the look of real gold. It's beautiful. I love these pieces because they feel so classic, but they have so much versatility. Alex and Ani are also featuring some gorgeous pieces that I have right here, like Black Lotus, this gorgeous Black Lotus charm necklace, and their Stay Wild pendant, and their Wings of Protection necklace that have a classic and 
vintage feel. See that? And of course, you can't forget their signature bangle bracelets, which I'm also wearing. And I have a lot of their stuff. I have the numerology bracelets. I have the hula dancer to commemorate a meaningful trip I took to Hawaii. From classic to bold statement pieces, Alex and Ani makes it easy to sprinkle your personality into each piece or make a truly meaningful gift for someone you care about. Meanwhile, you can take comfort in knowing that you're shopping with a socially conscious brand. As Alex and Ani has donated over 60 million dollars to nonprofits worldwide, connecting fashion and philanthropy in an easy, fun, affordable way. Right now, Alex and Ani is offering our audience 20% off. So check their gorgeous collection out at alexandani.com and use the promo code MIDAS, that's M-E-I-D-A-S, at alexandani.com. Use that promo code at checkout for 20% off your order. Come and get something beautiful. Just a suggestion. I'm not a doctor, but it can't hurt, you know? Um, Let's go ahead and look at it. Thank you. All right. We love you guys. We love you, Dr. Nicole. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Brian and Gina Show. To get in touch with the hosts or buy their books, hit them up at at baldbrian and at Gina Grad on Twitter and Instagram or by email at podcasts at lamag.com. To get connected with LA Magazine, hit them up at at lamag on Twitter and Instagram. Talk soon. Thank you.